Welcome to the Healthy You podcast, where we'll be chatting to a different guest each episode to find out what being healthy means to them. My name is Danny, and I'm a Senior Active Lifestyles Officer at Cambridge City Council, one of the Healthy You delivery partners, and I'll be your host for today's episode. And it's a real pleasure to welcome our guest to the podcast today, Becky Hare. Now, Becky is a respiratory physiotherapist for the NHS, working at Papworth Hospital, and she's also a very accomplished athlete and wonderful advocate for women in sport. Becky in particular is super passionate about getting more women into cycling. Listen to this episode to find out how she's supporting more women across Cambridge to get on their bike. Hi Becky, it's great to have you here. Hello, good afternoon on this um, very cold winter's Cambridge day. (laughs) Lovely cycling weather, no one has ever said. Yes, yes. I think it's fair to say, though, you're not just a fair weather cyclist. Is that right? Yeah, fair point. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think there's, there's, a, there's no such thing as bad weather, is there? Just bad kit, which is uh, a thing I've now had to come to terms with over the last couple of years of cycling, especially in Cambridgeshire. Oh, man. It's always and cold. and you, you cycle. To, I mean, you're obviously a cyclist as well as other sports, but you cycle to work, don't you? But, yeah, yeah. So um, tell, tell us a little bit about what you do as your profession and what you do outside of work. Yeah, so um, I work at Papworth Hospital as a respiratory physiotherapist and I work within the education team at Papworth Hospital as well. So yeah, I cycle from North Cambridge all the way through to Trumpington every day and it you just reminded me it was very funny because somebody at work the other day was like so when do you put your bike away like when do you not cycle to work and I was like well I don't have a parking permit so I have to cycle or run to work like no matter what what the weather comes so yeah um that's my sort of normal day-to-day job I guess I work um just three days for the NHS now and outside of that I do my private sort of sports performance and coaching work and physiotherapy work and I do lots of other bits and bobs and (laughs) you know me I have my fingers in lots of pies around Cambridgeshire um, in terms of sort of teaching teach Pilates classes um, as well as just trying to get people active really so do a little bit of run leading and um, some cycle leading as well. I think you've done yourself a massive disservice then Becky like just (laughs) just do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and I think that's that's a little bit unfair because I think you are an incredible advocate for sport physical activity healthy lifestyles and and most specifically getting women involved in in sport and I think that's fair to say is where your passion sits oh massively yeah I think um I was a swimmer as a kid and then did triathlon and then got into running and cycling. And as soon as I hit the kind of cycling world, suddenly realized that there's quite a disparity between the sexes, not just in numbers of women cycling to work, but in racing and stuff as well. My passion is obviously kind of racing and, um, and going as fast as I can, as hard as I can. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's where it really sort of stemmed from. I think I'd always been really passionate getting people active. That's part of physio, you know, that's part of, you know, I see the people with ischemic heart disease and they come out the other side of their surgery and we've got to get them back to their normal baseline of quality of life. And that's the one end of the spectrum, but the other end of the spectrum is just getting people moving. You know, I started off as a personal trainer 15, 16 years ago and I absolutely loved it. And I think that's what led to me being a physio, but 
getting women into cycling. Oh my God. Like that was one of the things. That's one of the things I could do a whole podcast on it. Basically. <laughs> um, I could just talk at you for a whole hour. Um, yeah, I think I just realized that actually there's so many barriers, not just to women doing sport, but women in cycling quite specifically. And that that's really what I started up doing in Cambridge, probably about 2017 is when I started working uh, with a bike brand um, to start leading women's rides and start just trying to get people on their bikes, really. So how did you get into cycling? You said you were a swimmer. Yeah. And then obviously entered the world of triathlon. How did you how did you get from one to the next? Oh, many, many <laughs> steps in between. So I yeah, was a swimmer as a kid. I trained all the way through my teens and then hit university. I went to Newcastle University to do physiology um, first started doing a bit of swimming and then oh, it was all a bit serious I think at, at university and because I was quite good they were like oh you need to go for this team and stuff and I was like oh no I really just want to go to uni and enjoy the, the university lifestyle so I quit swimming for a bit and then um, the Great North Run happens in Newcastle every year my dad and my mum had both done it I think my mum was actually pregnant with me um when she did her first Great North Run and then found out afterwards, you know, after she'd gone out and had lots of drinks <laughs> celebrating the Great North Run, she then found out she was pregnant with me. Um, Does that count so, as you doing it a first I time? So, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> so it was, you know, we grew up in Newcastle as well. So it was a huge thing. So I started, I wanted to do the Great North Run. My gran had passed away. So I raised a load of money for um, Alzheimer's Society and absolutely loved it and actually I think that was just the sort of beginning for me I remember my dad being like he did quite a good time and he was like really surprised like, and I was like you know I've been swimming for like 15 16 years of my life so you know I'm gonna have a good kind of aerobic fitness um and then to be honest then I tried doing a little bit of uh spinning and I did some spin instructing while I was at uni and I finished all my Newcastle degree and went to Birmingham to do physiotherapy. And that's kind of where it all came together. I started going to the spinning classes there. I started swimming again competitively and then was going out for the odd jog. And the spin instructor, Paul uh, Robert Shaw, he said, you should try triathlon. You know, you're not too bad. And obviously me being the sort of quite performance driven kind of person, I was like, OK, so I went down for the the triathlon club and the coach there was just amazing and I don't I think if it wasn't for Louise I wouldn't have stuck with it because there was so much to learn and there was so many things to put together um she kind of got me into it I ended up with a road bike um off my dad and then suddenly was going oh I can swim cycle and run and put it all together in one place so yeah that's a very long-winded way of saying that's how it came together <laughs> No, but tell us a little bit more about Louise. So why was she so important at that at that stage for you? I guess I was, uh, was I 23 years old then when I started doing my physio um, masters? And it was a really hard time because I was trying to balance everything. I was trying to balance a new university, a new city, which was big compared to where I'd lived before, compared to Newcastle um, and York. And then... Louise kind of took me under her wing, but she just taught me how to train and listen to my body, which I'd never done before. I'd never, you know, even as a swimmer, like, I guess it's so low impact. Your body doesn't get really exhausted that much. And suddenly I was trying to kind of do a bit of everything. Louise was such a founding person in that and trying to just say, no, you know, you need to rest. These are the symptoms your body's giving you to say you need to rest. And she really helped me learn it. Um, 
but also I guess for that as for me at the time as well it's probably a bit of a kind of getaway because I was living with physios I was on placement at various hospitals around Birmingham the hours were really long the master's course I did was a two-year master's so it's like the three-year BSc squashed into two years which is brutal and actually probably wouldn't recommend it to anybody because I was just absolutely ragged <laughs> but try was you know the time for me to kind of do something for myself and get away from all the physio thoughts so I guess it was probably a bit of mental health as well but Louise was just so encouraging, but also really helpful in terms of empowerment. So was really good at kind of pushing decisions back onto you as the athlete so that you had to learn that self-awareness in order to then kind of get better. Um, and I think really that's where I started to learn about how to coach properly. And I guess I try and emulate as in my coaching now, I try and emulate Louise now just because I just think she made such a difference to me. You know, I still talk to her now and I left Birmingham eight years ago. So, yeah, that's sort of shows. I, that's got to be the biggest kind of mark of respect if you for, for a coach, if you're trying to be like them. Yeah, you're coaching. Yeah. 100%. So uh, you do a lot of work at, at various levels around getting women into cycling in in and around Cambridge and you think Cambridge is a great place for cycling uh you know it's very cycle friendly for the most part it's it's got a great cycling culture I think it must be one of the only places in the country where you can quite easily go into a pub on a Friday night every you know the person next to you is really dressed up and you can go in dripping wet and waterproofs and your helmet and everything and and it's fine it's totally okay (laughs) yeah so much. it's set up for cycling but there are so many people who who don't yeah you know who don't cycle don't feel comfortable who don't have the confidence don't have the right bike all of that how where do you where do you really start with it all I guess like it's difficult to unpick because every person's barrier is slightly different most people have learned to bike learned to ride a bike at some point in their life and the the one like you've already mentioned it really the one thing that I get a lot of ladies come to me is you know I haven't ridden a bike since before my kids were born and that's X number of years. And the next question is always, how fast is it? Because I'm worried I'm not going to keep up. Um, and to be honest, a lot of that is just breaking down, you know, the fact that these rides that I lead or we lead are very, very, you know, they're always going to be social. They're always going to wait for that final person. They're always going to, you know, we've just got to reassure people that we can deliver that kind of environment for them. I think there's a huge anxiety around the mechanics of having a bike as well. Um, And that's something that, you know, I, I struggled with that. I remember I had my first bike, my dad's little old road bike and I got it, took it up to uni in September, bought it back at Christmas. And my dad was like, have you, have you pumped up the tires? And I was like, no, just ridden it every day to university (laughs) and hadn't cleaned it, hadn't done anything. I remember my dad literally had head in hands being like, oh God. And like, I remember saying to him, well, you didn't teach me. Mm. You didn't like empower me to do that. So, and and I was probably too embarrassed to to ask and, and didn't really think about it at the time. So, and I think that's a lot of it is women seem to, when they go out riding, and I've come across this a lot, they'll go with their other half who will potentially have been the person who set up the bike for them and and kind of went through and did all the mechanics and sort of checks and stuff. And the anxiety really is around if I get a puncture, what happens? 
a lot of the stuff you know I teach or I have before COVID I was teaching them um, sort of mini mechanical sort of courses and bike maintenance sessions and stuff but I think for a lot of people it's knowing that actually it's okay if you get a puncture we've all had to ring home at some point <laughs> and like, like all all of us have done it and in life not in just life. on a bike in life. In life. In, exactly it's just a life thing isn't it and and almost you know and you can't I always say to people you know you will you will fall off at some point on the bike you will get a puncture 20 miles from home and you'll have forgotten something that's key to fixing it and it's just going oh do you know what happens to the best of us and and you've got to kind of always have that mini backup plan in mind um I guess a lot of people it it comes back to families as well and you know there's still these huge societal constructs that you know women feel such guilt leaving the the kids and doing something for themselves and I think now it's being talked about more and you know people are feeling more empowered to, to go out and do something for them and to meet new people and gain new skills and stuff but I really think it's it's going to take years to change that um and that's definitely what I see within within the groups that, that we work with so the infrastructure the you know all the basic stuff it comes back to as we said you know Cambridge is the best city it's got some of the best infrastructure in the UK and yet people still don't ride Mm. so you know it's the infrastructure can be there but there's still anxiety about being outside in the dark or being alone on you know cycling home from work or going in really early often it's you know little things like you know can you do that with a buddy can you do that and practice it on a weekend? And then when you do do it during the, the weekday, it's just at a different time and you've kind of put those things into place that will help ease anxiety about it. Um, I'm not sure if any of those are particularly great insights, Danny, but that's that's what I've come across with the groups I've worked with. Yeah, I imagine you get the similar questions coming to you, you know, when you're leading yeah. The, the rides for specialized am I allowed to say that specialized yeah I didn't know that I'm glad yeah, you yeah, said yeah. it's great yeah so I uh, know I think it's amazing that that bike brands recognize obviously there's a disparity and there's more men cycling and buying road bikes and blah 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 but yeah. that they want women real women showcasing their bikes and that how they ride and specialized I know a lot of the other bike brands do it as well yeah they have ambassadors like you around the country who lead mm. um rides and they're Am I right in thinking they're they're free and yeah. they're for women to come and try riding in a group, um, yeah. and just it is a focus on social. It's also a focus on building skills and building yeah. confidence. Yeah. yeah, and I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I imagine you get um, similar questions from a lot of people, or or um, and I know because I've been on one of them that you kind of reach out to people before the ride and and say you know if you've got any questions or check mm. in with them. Do you get a similar thing back most of the time? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's always, yeah. Every time I've, when I first started leading rides, oh, it's like twenty seventeen now. God, that feels ages ago. Um, yeah, I think I put together a basic email that said, "Right, brilliant. See you all here on Saturday at X time." And the questions that would come back were always, "Do I need to bring an inner tube? Do I need to bring a tire? Do a, a, a not a tire." <laughs> do I need to you know bring food with me do I need money like like uh, kit list yeah and and that's it and what's the route we're going on so I can tell my husband or my partner or wherever I'm going um and yes slowly over time all of those things work themselves into my email at the start it's just 
we have questions and we want to know and we're planners and we really just like need all of that key information and I think it's all part of reducing the anxiety around something yeah. isn't it like actually where where are we meeting and where exactly are we meeting and is exactly. there parking and you know all these questions what do I wear and blah 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 yeah. that, that help you go through it in your head and and go yeah I am going uh this I'm, I feel prepared for going I feel confident and when I turn up I know that I'm prepared yeah and that it'll be okay and there'll be other like-minded people yeah which I think and I know we've spoken to you about this before with mm. your experience of joining a cycling group in Cambridge that was not necessarily the case for you in your experience yeah definitely um I'm not going to say which group it was because actually they're very good now um <laughs> but yeah I so I have obviously cycled for a while you know I have a fair level of fitness and I turned up um I'd messaged the group beforehand to say can I come on this ride and then I turned up on said ride but the person that had messaged me back wasn't there um, and obviously they just messaged back saying, yeah, brilliant, meet here at this time. So I turned up at that time and the person that was leading the ride turned around, didn't say anything to me, but then turned back to his friend and said, oh, we'll have to put the slower group on now. And I remember being there and being like, I am absolutely livid. And out of principle, I went in the fast group and I absolutely caned myself on that ride. And <laughs> I, I really tried to keep up. And afterwards, I was so angry because I'm a confident, outspoken person and anybody, man or woman, who turned up in my place, if they weren't like that, they would have, A, probably just gone home, B, never gone back again. Mm. Um, and it took quite a lot. My other half, Jack, um, I was so angry and so upset at the way that this had been treated. But, you know, they didn't even say hi to me. Yeah. And I had no idea what kind of riding ability yeah. that you had. Or, yeah. yeah. Just I mean, made I was... some kind of judgment by looking at you. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, my God, you've only, you, you know, I truly believe they said that because I was a woman. Mm. But, um, you know, Jack really helped me turn me around because he's a good man like that. And um, we channeled this energy, I suppose, um, into a, a a very comprehensive email, should I say. My initial email was not so comprehensive. It did not have as many words in it, but Jack really helped me there. Um, Definitely <laughs> one that you want to save for a, and sleep on it for a night. <laughs> 100%. But, you know, it went to their committee and it went around the group. And, and actually, I got pretty much like a formal apology um and then they now and now basically now I work with them and um they do ladies rides very regularly and I think there has been a little bit of eye-opening and a little bit of training um with the ride leaders and I just think that you know there are good ways and bad ways of going about it and I think that they've done a really really good job um Brilliant. I could you know I would I would go back to their rides now and I have been back um I just haven't this year <laughs> but I really truly would support them now and I think there's a lot of people that get very defensive and very reactive in situations like that um as ride leaders and stuff but actually you know everybody needs to go into things like that with an open mind if they can and mm. and really try and think about the point of view of the person that has attended or um you know and really just sort of think about their barriers yeah. um, and their thoughts and feelings because I think that that's what often it is about you know I did this whole campaign for women cycling last year around the National Hill Climb Championships and even close friends of mine who are men 
didn't realize the issues that women were going through and just the fact that they were like oh didn't really realize that this was an issue but thank you for opening up and explaining that to us it just starts the conversation and it just opens up the doors so you know those those things are happening more and more now which is great it's really good and it's needed yeah and I think it's so uh, there's so much um kind of potential anxiety or bar- it's difficult to go to any new situation for anyone I think male or female or whatever in um and, and go along to a new group and feel like you belong mm-hmm. it, it takes a lot of courage to go and try something new yeah. and as somebody who goes to you know a running club or a cycling club or whatever mm-hmm. regularly you forget potentially what it was like when you first joined the group yeah. and you think oh yeah we're really friendly we all know each other blah 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 but that to somebody else can mean oh my god they all know each other no one's going to talk to me because they all have Mm. their in jokes and all of this and it's it's important to kind of remember what your first first kind of experience of that group was and hopefully if you didn't have a good experience make it better for someone else if you did have a good experience continue that yeah by well because I think the one thing about runners and cyclists that anybody who does any kind of sport is that they love talking about it and they love getting other people to do it yeah so generally they are a really friendly bunch who just want to kind of get other people doing it Mm, exactly and yeah you're right exactly yeah there's always like cliques and people are like oh gosh I'm not in the clique but I think yeah if the main thing is good communication isn't it it comes back to everything in life but you know just ask the basics and if you're not sure on how you know what somebody wants to be called or addressed or whatever just ask them like it comes back to like all equality and diversity stuff like just ask the person you know you're not sure um what's your level of experience you know it's sometimes even asking questions like that can be quite triggering I suppose to people Mm. as well so you know just thinking about the language that you use you know I often would now say you know what have you done before or more of an open question rather than like what type of cycling do you do because people might not be a, in their mind yeah. they might not identify as a cyclist yet and that's quite a kind of oh, the, the, the well, kind on two wheels yeah, is that yeah. Like, <laughs> it's quite a, a scary kind of prospect and question um and, and even I and think, I guess even terms like beginner are really yeah. really vague and really open and don't really mean anything yeah it's really I I as a ride leader and a cyclist myself it's really hard to get the balance and mm. we don't always get it right you know yeah you might say beginner to some people And they might think that beginner means I haven't ever been on a bike at all. And then other people who might have been road cyclists might think, well, beginner is, you know, I don't know, 12 miles an hour riding, you know, and and there's such a disparity. So just being clearer on what you're offering as the ride Mm. leader or a group is is super clear, super important. So you obviously have done quite a lot of work around getting women into more road cycling or cycling for exercise I think it's fair to say as well as commuting and cycle skills involved in that but then more recently you've been involved in joyriders and tell us a little bit about joyriders so joyriders popped up on my instagram probably about five or six months ago and I was like that looks like a really good thing because I'd been doing my ride leading by myself pretty much for the last few years I'd kind of become a bit of a one-woman band and um I was struggling really to to get a ride out each month and work with lots of different abilities of women. And I kept reflecting on it and thinking, you know, I can't, so working, I can't give up a lot 
more time. And I saw joy riders and I thought, oh my God, this is what we need in Cambridge. So they started in London. It's a women's cycling um, organization and they run a variety of different rides. Um, obviously they started in London, but we now have them in Cambridge. They run a variety of different rides, all very clearly explained um, in terms of ability for anybody. You don't have to have a road bike. You can be um, on any kind of bike. I think in London, they actually have really good links with higher bikes as well, which is just fantastic. Um, and they just get you up and out and doing some activity on a bike. Um, it is actually, yeah, it's all free. And the main sort of, I suppose, model with them is that they train up ride leaders. So you have a much bigger pool of ride leaders um, that then, you know, will take a ride however often they want. And yeah, basically I saw this, I thought this looks great. We really could do with that in Cambridge. They've got a little bit of funding around them. They'd been really closely linked to Cycling UK who I have a membership with already. So thought, oh, actually, you know, it's all very credible. And I did my cycle ride leader with Cycling UK. So again, sort of agreed with all of that in principle. Um, and I contacted Vive uh, at Joyriders and said, you know, do you have hubs outside of Joyride of outside of Joyriders London? And they did. So they've started in Manchester and Oxford. And um, I started up the Cambridge one with you, Danny. <laughs> Well, if Oxford were doing it, you know, I thought it was only fair. It's like varsity, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's um I think it's important to there are there are lots of players, aren't there, in cy in cycling in the UK. You've got Cycling UK, like you just mentioned, you've got Breeze rides. Tell yeah. us a bit about Breeze, because I know you've been involved in them as well. Yeah, so uh Breeze was off the back of um British cycling um with HSBC. They started years ago. I have no idea exactly what the year they started, but years and I think probably 2015 or before they started doing this ride leading for women only. Um, and now they lead rides all over the country and they train up breeze leaders um, and they then for them, their kind of model um, is to start people up you know, build them in distance or speed or whatever, and then feed into local cycling clubs. And I guess that's kind of what I was emulating with the, when I was doing monthly specialised rides, because then I would feed into the local club um, just north of Cambridge and Histon yeah. and Impington. Um, and then, yeah, so Breeze riders are all over the country. And really, we're all trying to do the same job, aren't we? Like, we're all trying to just get women on bikes. And I guess um, everyone's targeting a slightly different stage yeah. of where you are like and, and yeah. joy riders is really that you're not necessarily looking at cycling as a sport or as mm -hmm. a form of exercise you maybe just want to yeah. get from a to b or you want to be able to do the school run on a bike or yeah. i don't know cycle to work or, or whatever it is and yeah yeah we've um we've had some great rides haven't we we have yeah it was um it's just been really good fun and it's quite nice not to be a one woman band anymore. So there's a few of us ride leaders. I think we counted before about five or six, didn't we? Yeah. Um, we've done a few rides in different areas around Cambridge, really. So during September, we did a few evening rides around sort of Eddington. Um, we've done, I think, one in Chesterton. We've done one in Trumpington and um, also from Northstow as well, I believe. So we're yep. kind of around. <laughs> a little, little tootle on the busway up to Tom's Cakes in St. Ives. Definitely. Any cycle that involves a cake stop, in my opinion, is yeah. great. Hundred percent. I mean, that's 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 the reason that we all cycle, right? Like, oh, cake. That's why end. I'm here. Yeah. 
I guess it's like I think like with the specialized rides I was probably already preaching to the converted um and it was creating a bit of a women's group that already had road bikes could already ride a certain distance and then we just built up the distance and now some of them ride with different clubs and stuff but we are really right now at the grassroots kind of thing aren't we and I think you know that's where we need to really focus in on because the uptake oh there was some statistic the other day and I need to find it um but the uptake of like cycling has been huge over lockdown and the number of women that have started cycling it's increased like I want to say like tenfold but I don't think it's that much but it's like phenomenal the number of women that they've got on bikes and now we've got to kind of try and keep those women on bikes and retain them on bikes and really get it into their lifestyle and their activity choices because they will then act as role models for their kids and it's that kind of knock on and knock on effect absolutely let's talk a little bit because I think it's really interesting and it's something that I really come to appreciate doing the ride leader training with joy riders it about kind of positioning on the road because I think this is really important it's where a lot of people and maybe uh, I'm completely generalizing but maybe something that women struggle with more yeah about definitely. where you position yourself on the road to feel safe yeah I think um from my experience and again this is totally anecdotal no evidence associated with this but yeah women um tend to think oh I don't want to be in the way of that car behind me or I don't want to be in the way of so-and-so behind me um potentially men just don't think about that I don't know if that's a sweeping generalization. <laughs> Feel free to edit that out if you wish. But um, yeah, you know, that's something that's come through on pretty much every ride I've ever done is me going, ride, ride in the middle of the road, ride in the middle of the road. Um, you have these positions on the road. Um, and, and basically, I was always taught when I started cycling, you want to ride away from what they call the gutter, so the pavement. And you want to ride in the middle of that road because you need to be seen by all the other road users. If somebody is really close to the pavement, say five or six inches from it, the driver behind has the potential to think, oh, I'll just squeeze through that gap. And perceptually speaking, as a a driver and a cyclist myself, yes, people want to do that. They want to get places quickly, don't they? If the rider is positioned centrally within that lane and you know it everybody can see them the driver is going to think "Mm, no I probably can't squeeze that through that gap if a drive if another driver is coming oncoming so if they do that they slow down they sit behind the cyclist they mimic the speed of the cyclist and then they don't go past with a close clip they don't go you know it's it's really scary when a driver comes really really close to you at 40 miles an hour or quicker um, and it's just safer for every every road user. You know, I think what we struggle with in the UK is, is there's the kind of the culture of it's them and us, cyclists and, and drivers. And th- that will take years to change, you know. And it's quite ironic because I imagine most people are both. Yeah. And I think a lot of riders and are. yeah, cyclists, but also drive on occasion and they know the highway code and the rules. Yeah. The road. And I think... So yeah, coming back to the initial question, yes, most of most people, if you start cycling, you will ride way too close to the pavement in, in the gutter. And it's understandable because um, that's where you feel safest. Yeah. You think I'm going to stay right. It's like when you're ice skating. It's, yeah. it's, it's a good analogy, actually. Totally. You want to you want to hold on near the edge, and that's where you know you feel safe. But it's also where the ice is worst, isn't it? Yes, it's where it's exactly. really rough and uneven. 
Yeah. And it's and the same on the road. Yeah. And it's really nasty. You'll end up going in and out of all the, the ruts and the drain covers. And that's where you'll get the most punctures. Yeah. So, you know, people, if you're struggling with getting loads of punctures regularly, you're probably riding in the gutter too much. If you ride in the middle of the road, all the stuff on the road gets shifted out to the edge of the road. And so you'll get less punctures. Um, you'll also be safer. And people can see you. Um, I think the other thing I'm always saying to people when I'm riding with them is please look behind you regularly so look over the, your right shoulder behind you to check a if there's a car there so you just need to be aware of it because we don't always hear them especially with electric yeah. cars um but please check over your shoulder before you pull across a lane to take a turn I know I'm preaching to the converted on this podcast already but that's where most um crashes happen yeah. most crashes will be it'll be a half a second of not checking your shoulder before you actually make a maneuver if you think exactly like you would in a car you know you kind of mirror signal maneuver you need to check behind you and that's your mirror um you know and and a lot of you know people just going across the road taking a turn the car really does have nowhere to go so you know not all accidents are caused by the car sometimes it is the cyclist as well i think that's quite important to get across yeah definitely um i'm conscious of of time but i I think with anybody who's looking to get into cycling Mm. or who wants to maybe learn how to ride a bike or get you know build their confidence where would you suggest that that they start so i guess if you want to learn how to ride a bike or if you really haven't been on one for for a number of years um there's all sorts of companies in cambridge aren't there um bikeability um and outspoken cycles are the two that spring to mind but if you think, oh, no, I can get around on a bike, but I'd like to kind of just improve my confidence and my road sense, um, definitely come to one of our joy riders rides. Obviously, they're all free. Um, and I guess little things like practicing some skills could be really helpful. Um, I had a little stint of taking people down to like the industrial estates just off the busway um, and just practicing. So, you know, taking a drink from your bike and putting it back or just taking your hands off the handlebars, um, checking over your shoulder and still trying to ride the bike in a straight line because that's another thing that's really hard. Um, but just, you know, taking a friend with you and, and going or if you're on your own, just tell somebody where you're going. Like I said, you know, we all fall off at some point. You know, we can't stop that we have to risk assess it and just say you know it'll happen we just have to deal with it when we get to it um and I think if you can kind of bring that into your attitude of going do you know what if I don't try these things and I won't push myself out of that comfort zone enough to improve um yeah we've all got to try and do that a little bit more often haven't we yeah definitely um we always ask people on this podcast um the same question and that's what does being healthy mean to you (laughs) that's a good question um I guess for me, it's not just the fact that I'm able to do physical exercise, but it's having the balance between mental and physical health. And I know that that's very kind of World Health Organization. Definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for, yeah, so for me, it's, it's being able to go to work, have that as an identity, still be able to do some activity or sport, but also still feel confident in myself that my overall mental health is still there um they're all the things that really spring to mind and for me you know real healthy matters are kind of sharing it with people as well so if it's activity it's got to be social you know I don't think I do anything without other people around because I like it (laughs) for for beginners anyone looking to get more active or make a change to their lifestyle 
where would you start? I think quite a lot of people, nutrition is always the thing that people think of first, because it's usually, it sounds awful, doesn't it? But it's usually the easiest thing. You just buy different stuff at the supermarket. But I genuinely think activity and a bit of movement is is 100% the best way to do anything. Um, That's usually the biggest change for people. Walking is enough. You know, we're not saying you have to go and run 10 miles every day. That's ridiculous. I wouldn't do that. Um, But just walking. I know a lot of people in the last year have gone to working from home changes. um, And I've said to a lot of people that have had a lot of injuries or niggles and stuff in the last year, just because we're not active enough. Mm. So walking 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the afternoon can sometimes be enough when you're doing that put your phone in your pocket don't look at your phone and just the more you can get outside engage with nature that is the the best way in terms of activity and it will massively improve your mental health as well so that's the always the first port of call that I would say to anybody yeah brilliant lovely well on that note might go for a walk excellent (laughs) it's nice I think it's sunny now look it is that is um, so bright where I am as well thanks Becky Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. And of course, tell your friends. Healthy You is a free service to support Cambridgeshire and Peterborough residents to improve their health and well-being. The service is funded by Cambridgeshire County Council and Peterborough City Council and is 100% free. To find out more about how the service can support you, visit healthyyou.org.uk.